Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Well, praise the Lord. Good to see you out tonight. I'm glad that you're here. And uh, man, we just endeavor to teach God's word on these Wednesday night services. Obviously, we just allow ourselves to worship or uh, do what God directs us to do. But obviously, on these Wednesday night services, we have the opportunity just to teach a little bit more directly or a little bit deeper uh, to help us grow in our spiritual growth and our spiritual walk with God, right? Obviously, Sunday morning, you got so many people that come out on a Sunday morning uh, that are in different places in their walk with God. And so you try to hit everybody, but you realize on a Wednesday night, there's hungry people that come on Wednesday. And so it allows us to teach a little bit more directly to help us grow and develop in our walk with God and grow spiritually. Spiritually. And so if you recall in the last couple of weeks we were uh, teaching on a particular uh, area we, we said that again that there is this principle of sowing and reaping and the Bible says in fact Jesus said that the kingdom of God is built upon this principle. But we also likened it unto or connected or started to connect the dots and the fact that God has a purpose for all of our lives. And so before we get into it I'm going to take just a minute just to review just a second. But before we get started, I really want to emphasize this and help us, help us grab hold of this. And, and, and I realize this, even the concept of it is difficult for us to, to grab hold of. But you've got to begin to understand this to really see true reality. Because true reality is based upon spiritual principles. And really, if you think about it, the Bible says that God is a spirit and therefore, God, from the place of the Spirit, spoke and created everything that was natural, right? And so what that means is, is that the things of the kingdom of God, the things of the Spirit of God, or the realm of the Spirit, if you will, is more real and more tangible than the things of the natural, in 1 Thessalonians, the Bible tells us, it says the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are eternal. So once again, it's declaring or it's telling us that the things of the spirit or of the kingdom are more real and they have an eternal value than the things that are natural. Does that make sense? And again, it's important for us to understand that because that is true reality. If we understand that, it helps us perceive and see things more correctly and more clearly in this walk with God and the purpose of God in our life. So for instance, the chair that you're sitting in, I mean, you're thinking, man, this is a firm chair. It's, it's 
holding me up. In fact, it's, it's keeping me comfortable because of the cushions. But in regards to true reality, the things of the kingdom of God are more real than the chair than you're sitting in. And so to help us understand that or to see that rather, it begins to help us make sense or to connect the dots in this purpose and place that God has for us. So with that being said, understanding that the things of God and the kingdom of God is, is more tangible. The Bible says that out of this place, before the foundations of the world, that God called us and has had a purpose for us. So think about that. Just in, just in theory or just in concept, before the foundation ever was, God being a faith God just had the assumption that everybody was going to serve him. And as a result of him just assuming and saying, everybody's going to have a heart to serve me, I'm going to slap a purpose and a call on their life. And that was before any of us even were born or before we ever received Christ. All right, so concerning the call of God in our life, again, just to review for just a moment, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Bible says that this call is a holy calling. So in other words, your purpose is holy. In Hebrews chapter 3, the Bible says that we are partakers of the heavenly calling. So your calling is heavenly. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, it says that our calling is a high calling. Amen? And then lastly, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says that that calling or that we have been called to liberty or called to freedom. So everything about this call, this purpose on our life, number one, is a high calling. It's a heavenly calling. It's, it's, it's a calling according to his purpose. And he said that this calling was a calling of freedom and liberty on our life. Did you notice that concerning that calling, it did not say that this calling is a life of despair. It didn't say that this calling is lowly. No, it says this calling is a high calling. It didn't say that this calling is earthly. He said this calling is heavenly. And he did say that this calling was one of bondage. He said, no, this calling is one of freedom, of liberty. But then he goes on to say, don't use this liberty to do whatever you want to in the flesh. He says, use this to serve God and do what you're called to do. All right. So in regards to this freedom, this victory, this joy, this fulfillment, it doesn't come from the carnal side or the flesh side of man. This victory, this calling comes from the spiritual side of man. So again, bringing in the fact that there is a true reality concerning you as an individual, you are more spiritual then you are physical, right? How many of you know that this physical body is going to wear out? I'm looking at some of you and some of you are more worn out than others. <laughs> this physical man is going to wear out, right? But the spirit man or the real us on the inside is going to live on forever, right? And so in regards to this inside or this interior man, this is what connects to the calling and to the freedom and the liberty that God has for us. If you recall over in Galatians chapter five, it tells us this, it says, walk 
and live in the Spirit. If you walk according to the Spirit and live according to the Spirit, you will receive life or everlasting life. But then he also makes this assumption or makes this statement rather. He says, if you walk in the flesh, if you just simply walk in your carnal man, you reap corruption. So God says he's got a holy calling, a high calling, a heavenly calling, a calling of freedom, but is connected to you walking in and living by the Spirit. So if we choose to simply live a natural carnal existence, it will, it will corrupt that call of freedom. Does that make sense? I mean, if you, leave, if you leave something outside and let it get weathered by the weather, the sun, the rain, and everything else, it might be brand new. But because of the elements, it gets corrupted, right? And you can say, well, doggone, man, I just bought that a couple weeks ago. It's brand new. In fact, I didn't even use it, just sat it out there. But because of the natural elements, it corrupts it. And so there can be a high calling, heavenly calling, a calling of freedom and liberty. But if we don't walk in the spirit or according to the spirit and only live this natural carnal life or out of my flesh man, it will corrupt that. And I won't see the freedom or the victory that God desires for me. So in Galatians chapter six, if you recall, again, we talked about this in the past, it says, Concerning us as individuals, he says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. So again, breaking that down, notice what it says. Don't be deceived. So in other words, there are a lot of people. Now, again, he's talking to believers. Galatians is written to the church. So in other words, there must be a lot of believers that have the opportunity to be deceived. And he says, now, don't be deceived. He says, I'm not mocked. There is a spiritual principle that will come to pass that whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He says, if you sow to the spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption, right? So he says, there is a spiritual principle of the spirit, of the kingdom. And he says this, he says, you're gonna sow or you're going to give yourself to one of two things. You're going to give yourself to the flesh, or you're going to give yourself to the spirit or to the things of God. Now, don't be mocked because you're going to reap. You're going to have a harvest. You're going to have fruit that shows up in your life, and it's based upon what you've been giving yourself to. How many of you have ever looked at your life from time to time and said, man, I don't like the fruit? <laughs> come on I've been there and I have to just check up on myself well, what have I been sowing what have I been giving myself to that that ends up being the fruit of my life I was talking with somebody just a, a, a couple of weeks ago and we were just talking about some of these things that I'm sharing with you tonight and and I said you know there was a time again back in the summer uh I can't remember the program it was a cowboy show or something. And it was on Netflix. And so I decided just to binge watch this program. You know, and I just sat there in front of the TV, watched program after program, you know. And it, it would 
come up with a new one and I watch the next one. And then the next night I do the same thing. You know, like you end up watching three a night. And then you get to the end of the week. And for some reason you're feeling like, well, it's like I feel like yucky. I, you know, I got to go into church Sunday, but I just kind of like, yeah. It's like, well, why do you feel that way? Because I've been feeding my flesh on TV for the last several days, just sitting in front of the boob tube and just vegging out, right? Well, I didn't do much to build up my spirit or give myself to that or to the things of God. And my flesh was just like, you know, you ever ate food and you feel bloated? That's how I felt spiritually. I felt spiritually bloated. And so you've got to ask yourself the question, what are you sowing? So once again, if you're looking at your life and you're saying, I don't like what my life looks like, or I don't like what I'm experiencing in my life, then the question is, is what have I been giving myself to that this is the fruit? Because God says, don't be deceived. You are going to reap. And you're going to reap based upon whatever you've been giving yourself to. Now, that's not to be critical. That's not to point fingers at you like saying, yeah, I know your story. I know what you've been doing. Listen, we've all been there. We've just simply got to take inventory and saying, what have I been given myself to? And therefore, what is the fruit? If you don't like the fruit, change what you've been giving yourself to. It's just that simple. Okay? Now, understanding this, remember I said that everything has a spiritual component, right? There's a spiritual root, if you will, to everything in this life. And so this element that I'm talking about from the position of our spirit versus the position of our flesh or our carnal man, there has been this battle that has been going on and there's been really a spiritual war going on from the very beginning of time. And if you recall over in Genesis chapter three, or excuse me, Genesis chapter two, rather, verse 17, God says this to Adam and Eve. He says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you will eat of it and you'll surely die. So God says, now listen, I've given everything to you. Now this particular tree, the tree of good and evil, don't partake of it. If you do, you will die. Now, if you've known the story, if you've read it or been around any length of time, you'll be familiar with the story. But you know that the enemy, Satan, came and says to Adam and Eve, and he says, boy, says, isn't that fruit good to look at? Doesn't it look good? What did he do? He started to connect or get them to look with their natural eyes. Then he says, now, look at how good that fruit looks. He says, it's even good to eat. Well, what was he appealing to? He was appealing to the natural carnal man that says, it looks good. And boy, it's sure going to taste good. And then he takes it even a step further and he says, now listen, you've been missing out on some things. And this is the ticket. This is the key right here to connect you to everything that you've been missing. And they said, well, God said, don't eat it. He says, did God say? He said, in fact, if you eat of this fruit, you'll be like God. So what did he do? He appealed to their carnal, natural man to see what looked good what would taste good, and also present a picture of something that they were missing, but in true reality, they were just like God, spiritually speaking, but he got them to focus on the natural man as though, golly, 
we think we need to eat that fruit. No, God said. But yeah, it looks good. Yeah, but God said. But yeah, I bet it tastes good. Yeah, but God said. But man, it's going to make us like God. All right, let's do it. And so what happened? When they gave into the flesh, when they stopped giving themselves to the spirit side of life, what happened? They reaped corruption. It corrupted the pure, sinless people that they were, right? And as a result, they reaped death or corruption. And so the question is, as I said, whatever you sow to, that's what you'll reap of. And so if, you, if you're reaping of the flesh, then once again, you are sowing to the flesh. Now, let me just paint a scenario to you. Because I said that you're going to sow to something and you're going to reap of something because God said that that's the spiritual principle. And here's one of the arguments that we have as we say, well, God, I've been sowing or I've been giving myself to you. I've been coming to church. I've been praying a little bit. I've been reading a little bit. How many know that's good? Coming to church is a good thing. Praying is a good thing. Reading your Bible is a good thing. But the question is, is what are you giving yourself to the most? Because whatever you give yourself to the most is what's going to be evident in your life. Now, let me give you a natural example. If I said to you that I have been going to the gym every day for the last year, I have been working out at the gym one hour a day, and I haven't been monkeying around. I've been working at it hard, man. I've been on the treadmill for at least 45 minutes. I've been pumping some weights. I mean, I've been diligent but I am a fat pig, man. I am like 500 pounds. And I say to you, but I've been working out every day. If I've told you that I've been working out every single day, and I literally have been, but I am 500, 500 pounds and I am fat, what's missing or what's happening? Help me out. What's that? You're eating other things. So in other words, I am giving myself to physical exercise, but I'm also giving myself to a higher calorie intake that offsets or that doesn't allow my physical fitness to offset the calorie count. Now, am I physically healthier Oh, man, I've been working out. I've got some endurance. I've built some muscles. I'm stronger and healthier than I've ever been before. But right on the other side, because I have been feeding my face with all kinds of food, and it, it's more so on this side than that side, what are you going to see or what's going to be more evident in my life? Right? You're going to see this big old fatso. And you're going to say, well, I thought you said you're working out. I am. But the question is, is what are you giving yourself to the most? Because whatever you give yourself to the most, that is what is going to be evident to all. Right? All right. So with that being said, 
I'm just like you. You remember I said, I'm not trying to be critical to point fingers at you and say, hey, listen, you know, you need to straighten your act up. Well, you do. You need to straighten your act up, but we all do, right? And I said to you that, you know, we just closed on this building last week. And I went to the bank and, and with all the signing of the papers and everything, I mean, it took about 15 minutes and, and we were done. And so I was driving out the parking lot, had the title and the deed in hand, and I'm driving out the parking lot. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, you know, this ought to be just a moment of victory. I mean, I ought to feel elated. I ought to feel like I'm on cloud nine. Now, as I'm driving out, I'm like, I don't feel that way. Well, in one side, we have already believed that we received when we prayed. We were standing in faith. We were standing on the word. We were holding God faithful to what he said and said, God, we know that what you said will come to pass. Regardless of what we see on the natural side, we know that you're faithful. So from a faith standpoint, we had the victory before we ever had the victory. But I asked the Lord, I said, God, even though we had the victory, how come I'm driving out of here and not necessarily feeling like, woohoo? And the Lord said to me, he said, even though you were in faith and you were in a greater position of faith, he says, you were still greatly aware of the natural circumstances. You were looking at where money was. You were looking at time frame. You were saying, okay, God, come on. You got to come through. And as a result, what happened? Like I said, there was a part where you're giving to the spirit, building your faith, living by, walking in the spirit. But man, if you open up the door to the carnal life or the carnal man, it messes with your victory. It messes with what God's call is upon your life. It messes with that call to freedom and liberty, even though it's yours. But if you allow the natural side of life to become overwhelming or a dominant thing within your life, you'll find that you don't experience the blessing or the freedoms and the liberties of the calling of God on your life. Amen? So as a believer, we desire freedom, freedom of the call. But if I'm leaning heavily on natural things, now listen to this. Even though I know I've got the victory in God or that that's what God says and I desire the freedoms of that call. If I'm leaning heavily on the natural carnal side of life, I will always reach towards natural things to fulfill the call. What does that mean? For instance... God says he'll supply all of, his, all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So God says, I want you to trust me in your life. But if I lean heavily on the carnal side of man rather than walking and living by faith, then I'll lean over or come over onto the natural side and say, well, God, you're not moving fast enough. I think I'll get a credit card. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'll lean towards the natural side to obtain what God said my promise or call is. Why? Because I live from there. Therefore, I'm going to reach from there to try to get what God says is over here. 
God says that the fruit of the Spirit, if I walk according to the Spirit, that I have the fruit of the Spirit. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy, right? So if I'm walking and living by the Spirit of God, joy is on the inside. It doesn't matter what size the mountain is. God says I can have joy. But if I keep living over here on the natural carnal side of life where I'm not living by faith and growing in my faith walk with God, I'll live over here in the natural side and I'll try to reach and obtain from this side here. Right? So we're learning to walk by faith. So let me give you another example just to help you understand some things. It's kind of shifting just a bit, but Hopefully, it will make sense from the standpoint of the example that I give you. God desires for us to grow in our walk with him. And to understand that everything has a spiritual component to it. And as I begin to recognize that, I become more in tune and more fulfilled and more accurate in that which he's called me to do. But let me give you an example. Music, for instance. I think everybody probably likes music. Anybody don't like music in here? You don't like music. All right, everybody. We'd probably beat you up if you said you didn't, so. Everybody likes music. Some like music more than others, right? Some people like it to where they love it so much that they make a career out of it. But did you know that music was never meant to be a form of entertainment? Now, I'm not talking about preferences. I mean, you might like country, you might like pop, you might like gospel style, you might like folk music, whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of genres of styles of what you like. But when it comes to music, music was never meant to be a form of entertainment. Music was made by God and it was made for God. Now that just in itself messes with people. Now, why does it mess with people? Because we're so carnally minded, so aware of the flesh. Think, well, dear God, if it just had to be all Christian music, how boring would music be? And then it's sad that that's kind of how some people would think. You got to talk about Jesus all the time. Jeez, I just turn the radio off. But listen, music in its truest form was meant to move. It was meant to move God through our worship, and it was meant to move us closer to God, right? That's what true music was designed for in its original setting. But obviously, you see from the natural standpoint, we've taken music and it's gotten corrupted. I mean, how corrupt has some of the music gotten? And we're talking about lyrics, right? And what does it do? It focuses on the natural, carnal side of life. Now, please don't misunderstand. Let me qualify that as well. If you say, man, I just like to listen to music just because it makes me feel good. I'm not criticizing you. I mean, enjoy music. I'm just talking about true reality. But as I said, true forms of music was either to move God or move us towards God. But did you ever notice how music moves you? Sure it does. I mean, certain people, they start hearing, hearing the music and they're like, I just want to go party, man. I just want to bump and grind. Woo-hoo. Why? Because of the kind of music. Or maybe concerning the music, maybe, you know, you, you, you hear the music and you, you want to start dancing. 
or you hear the music and because you had a bad breakup, all of a sudden that becomes your theme song. Michael Bolton, how can I live without you? Whatever the song is, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it moves you emotionally like, oh dear God, that's exactly what I'm going through. I'll never love again. <gasps> right? It moves you emotionally. Or you, you think about it, you know, you're, you're, you're working out. In fact, uh, somebody, I can't remember who it was. They do Zumba, right? Zumba is, is kind of like a, a aerobic exercise and it's got, you know, I don't know if it's Latin music or whatever, but the music really inspires you to move right? You're, you're, you're moving with the music and getting a good workout. I mean, it would be sad to see somebody that's this slow, melodic music, and they're like, whoo come on. <laughs> it just don't work, does it? So music moves you. I can think back in my younger days, you start listening to certain music, man, you're just ready to fight. And just come on, man, I'll punch you right in the face, man. I'm just, you know what I mean? Because it moves you. And so the truest sense of reality is that there's a spiritual component to it, right? But because we're so carnally minded that we don't even necessarily realize the value of it or how it moves us spiritually speaking. And, and like I said, you know, you say, well, man, all we got to do is listen to Christian music talking about Jesus, kumbaya. Well, if, if you're saying, man, I'd get bored of hearing about Jesus, then I would question just how well you know him. Right? I mean, my wife, she can't stop gushing over me. I mean, just talk to her about me after service. She'll just smile, light up from ear to ear. <laughs> I don't know. That. My son's like, yeah, whatever, dad. You get the point. I'm saying when you know somebody or in love with somebody, it just excites you to talk about them. You know, my grandfather, before he passed the last few years, he was uh, diabetic, lost both of his eyes or was blind in both eyes, ended up losing both of his legs up by the hips. And so he was confined to a wheelchair, couldn't read, but he was just, he would sit there in his wheelchair and just have fellowship with God. And I don't know that my grandfather was an extremely mature believer concerning like knowing the word of God, but he had a sincere heart for God. And anytime you got around grandpa, he started talking about Jesus. Man, I just love that about him. And, and I remember just at family gatherings. And again, this was my grandpa. I mean, you could be talking about, man, the weather outside is, is really nice, isn't it? Yeah, well, praise the Lord. It, it is really nice. Well, you know, well, Jesus, you know, he is my sunshine. He is my everything. You know, I mean, I don't, he would turn any kind of conversation talking about Jesus. And like I said, you'd get together with family reunion and these supposed Christian people that are in the family, you know, grandpa starts talking about Jesus and they're like, oh, dear God. There you go, talking about Jesus again. And it just irked me. Number one, because I thought it was real dis disrespectful towards my grandfather. But number one, or, or secondly, it's just like, if you knew Jesus, it wouldn't offend you to talk about him. In fact, it would engage you and it would do something on the inside of you because he loves Jesus and it would cause you to have a hunger for Jesus if you really knew him, right? And so there's this side of our lives that is there to help us experience true reality. Now, I'm winding down on time here, so I'll 
finish up with just a couple thoughts here. The Bible says that our call is a high calling. In fact, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's 15 through 17 or 18, it says that we've been reconciled to God as though God was pleading with us. But then it goes on to say that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Or our call, your purpose, is the purpose or the calling to reconcile people to God. So you see, God needs you, needs me to be in a position and a place that we're not so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. He needs us to be conduits of his love because there are people that are going to hell. Come on, man. You've got to understand this. And and I'm not saying this necessarily about our church. This would be our church, obviously, and church across the world. But you, you realize that there are people that come to your churches week in and week out. There are spouses that will sit together and there are spouses that are sitting there in the church and they're going to hell. You say, well, they're in church. Going to church don't get you to heaven. Giving and surrendering your life to Christ, that's what gets you there. There are families that have children, adult children, that are going to hell. And you say, well, it was their choice. Well, I don't care if it's their choice or not. What is God doing for you or through you as a parent to reconcile them to God? I don't want to get to heaven and say, well, praise the Lord, I made it. And you'll look around and like, where's my kids at? Does that make sense? And again, please hear me. I'm not being hard. I'm just simply saying, understanding that the call is to reconcile people to God. And if all we do is live this natural life, we'll forget those people that are around us that are living this life but are going to hell. The family members that you have, you have a divine call to share the good news or live your life in front of them so that they see Jesus. Maybe you have a spouse that's unsaved. It's your call and responsibility to live out life in front of them, serving Jesus so that they get hungry for Jesus. If you have adult children that are going to hell, now you, again, you might say, well, how do I know? How can you make that judgment, pastor? Listen, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, right? The Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. So don't put your head in the sand and say, well, I think they are. Well, thinking don't get them there. Hoping don't get them there. Thinking and hoping don't get you there. You got to know. And so what has God called us to do? He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, I don't like to be bothered by people. I like to go into Walmart and get my stuff and get out of there. Listen, do you realize you pass people every single day? And one of those just might be a divine assignment for you. But because you're so carnal and so caught up in the flesh that you don't even hear God saying I need you I need you go talk to them they're gonna die today and they need me right why because God has given us a call a call of reconciliation and the last thing I'll say is this and this will lead us up into next week when we get together is that God has given us relationships And relationships at their core are spiritual. My relationship with my wife is not just a carnal flesh relationship. It's a spiritual covenant. 
My children are just not my biological children. They are my first ministry and calling. And therefore, God has relationships that we must give account to and fulfill the call. And in that relationship or scope of relationships, there are supernatural relationships that God divinely orders and connects you with to help you fulfill your purpose, to help you walk and live this life of faith, walking in the spirit, walking and living in the spirit so that you experience everything that God desires for you. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, that's all I got for you tonight. We'll close there and we'll come back. But that being said, did anybody learn anything about it? subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life